0: Wow! With every breath, you know that was just very inspirational. It's something very powerful about singing, isn't it? It's truly worship, you know. And I'm not a musical person. Most people know that. But man, you know, I've always been good at playing my radio and my CD player, and um, and I'm very blessed by that. Um, this week, my wife bought a new piano. And suddenly our house is really filled, it's electronic, really nice. And uh, we got four of our family that play it, so that's pretty pretty cool. I want to start out today, I'm going to invite uh, Russell and Russell up. Now, th- these guys are, it's a little bit confusing, because this is Russell Acres and this is Russell Acres. And until I realized this, I remember the first time I was ringing Russell Acres and I was trying to ring this Russell Akers, and I rang this Russell Acres and I got very confused. <laughs> But they are father and son. So it's Russell Akers Sr. and Russell Akers Jr. And I'm really glad to introduce them to our church. I think you guys have been here for a little while. But just tell a little bit, how long have you been here? Tell us a little bit about your family and uh, yourself.
1: Yeah, I guess um, we're probably, we, we came when we had border problems. Initially, we uh, went to the Kingscliff Church um, And then, um, yeah, because of those issues, uh, we decided to come here. Mm. And um, the big incentive, I think, for us was the fact that our two uh, grandbabies, Trey and and Ty, um, a lot of their friends uh, came here Mm. because of the association from the school.
0: Good. Well, we're very blessed to have you, Russell, and Russell um, has been involved in teaching Sabbath school lessons and other things here at the church, and uh, we really value you being here. And what about the other Russell? How long have you been here? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah,
2: about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we sort of yeah came about uh, 10 months ago, I think, and started yeah. coming, and the same thing, border issues. Um, we live at Madrid Bar and, and uh, it made sense. The boys have got uh, friends
0: from school, from Gold Coast Christian College that uh,
2: yeah. that come here as well. So that made sense. And yeah, so about 10 months or so.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the reason that really I've gotten these guys up is because both of them have really inspired me with some amazing answers to prayer. And uh, how many of you guys believe in prayer? Wow, that's great. Because if you don't, when, when we start talking today, you're going to be... Completely spiritually dead if you're not praying, okay? Because that's really the revelation I've gotten this week is that prayer, just like the Bible is a spiritual food, prayer is our spiritual breath. How long can you hold your breath? Okay, we're going to get into that more. But I, I, I want to just share a little bit, and I think... Um, I know Russ Jr. was a little bit hesitant to get up, and I said, well, you don't have to speak, I can tell. But he shared the other week a story, and I was so inspired by Russell. It's nothing big, but I just want to sh- him to share his story and also Russell Sr. Because one is kind of a, a life or death situation, the other is just something small. But I think this really points out how God is a God who cares about the little things as well as the big things, the life things. And so I don't care which, who goes uh, fathers go first, first, or you go first? Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, it was it was um, about 30 years ago when I was 15, and um, and uh, yeah, we were, we were spearfishing at a place called Fosterton Curry, um, and uh, it was my it was a brand new spear gun basically, and it was you know I made it at school, and um, so we, we were spearfishing, and uh, I tried to shoot a fish, missed, and the string line came off, and um, <clears throat> I was looking looking for the spear everywhere, I couldn't couldn't find it. Um, Dad then said, look, the tide was about to turn. He said, "Look, I'll go back and get the boat, and you know, why don't you, why don't you pray about it and uh, try and find a try and find the spear." So I thought that's a good idea. So for the next probably 20 minutes, I'd say um, I was searching and praying and say, "Look, Lord, if you're real, uh, prove it to me." Um, couldn't couldn't find it. And anyway, Dad came back with the boat, um, and it was tied up near an oyster lease. And I'd shot say in this distance, like straight ahead, and the boat was at a 45 degree angle, and um, I. Dad said, how'd you go? And I said, no, no good. I, I couldn't find it, you know. So that was about half an hour. And so as I was going back towards the boat, um, I, uh, I said, look, Lord, this, this is it. You know, if you're real, prove it to me. And uh, I dived under this oyster lease and um, my hands went through the weed. And I closed my eyes and I literally popped up near the boat near Dad. And it was just, it was just a, a miracle. It was just, like, amazing. I know it was only small, it was huge to me at the time. And I've never forgotten it, and, you know, as I said, I'm nearly 46 and it still has a, a, a huge um, impact on me. And I think about 12 months after that, I, um, <clears throat> I got baptised with uh, Pastor John O'Malley. Uh, yeah, so conference. no John, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but it was, a, it was a huge impact and, and as it's still today when I mention that, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. because where I shot the spear and where I ended up getting it, it was, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: unbelievable. You know, it's these little things when God shows up, you know, can do tremendous things for our faith and knowing that, you know, God does exist. And, you know, I know I've prayed, God, just show yourself to me. He hasn't yet showed me himself like in a real face-to-face way. Mm. But as I look back and I'll share some of my stories today, you see that God showed himself for you and absolutely. made a big yeah. impact. He and did. and yeah. you know, I think from what Russell says, you know, his journey, he was baptized and he he, he, he kind of drifted a bit off, as many of us do. But, you know, when he came back, he, mm. one of the things that led him was to remembering absolutely. that God was there for you and that yeah. God yeah. is and real, real. I mean, and, um, you know, real. how important that is. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, yeah. Russell. No, no. And so now we're going to have Father share his story, which is a little bit... Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess, bigger in, in, in the impact of what it could be, life or death?
1: Pastor, this is only one part of a story in my life. Mm. Um, we haven't got the time to share mm. many things that's happened in my life. Uh, God has been so gracious, so forgiving, mm. and it's only been in probably relatively recent times when I've looked back over my life um, most of the time I didn't know he was there. But, but he's actually revealed to me just how he's been there in all of these steps in my life. And it's been amazing. And, and what I'm going to share today uh, will be the short version of one of the dramatic things that did happen in my life. Um, it started, I think, around about 2014 when I was diagnosed... Um, of a disease called MDS. Myelodysplastic syndrome. Who's heard of that? Anyone? Okay. And, and basically, um, what, what that, uh, what that is, is, um, my, my red blood cells, the white blood cells, and my platelets were diminishing. And, um, And, in fact, it came back that I had the most severe case of MDS. Uh, And I've got to say this before I start, too. During this time, 20 months, my wife stood by me and just was so marvellous, particularly the... I'm going ahead a bit now. The three months we spent in the Leukaemia Foundation Village, Uh, this this was after I had my transplant. Um, cleaning out my Hickman, for those that know what a Hickman might be. Um, it's, it's a thing that you put into your chest and where they get, where they give you chemotherapy and all your blood transfusions. Um, but basically the start of the, the start of the program was when I went to the Sydney Adventist Hospital, uh, for a diagnosis because I was losing, um, energy. And so they gave me, I'm not sure what the word was, but a, a bone marrow, I forget what the word, the nurses would know, but, but to check out really what my condition was, uh, which proved that I had MDS. And uh, I began having um, blood transfusions. They gave me a um, needles in the tummy uh, called Vidaza, And initially I thought that was gonna cure me, until one day the specialist said to me when I was there, i don 't want you to be scared, and let me tell you when the doctor said i don 't want you to be scared or worried that 's the time to <laughs> <start> worry <laughs> and so but i th- I thought that this treatment that I, was, I I began would cure me what i didn 't realize was, was going to give me un- probably another another four months before it had stopped working, and then basically she said, you might have twelve at the maximum eighteen months to live i wasn 't offered anything. More than that, especially a transplant. As it turned out, we were moving to Queensland, and so this um, the, the doctor. She um, I don't know what she looked up. She looked up uh, in her little little book where whatever that might be, someone up here that could take over my hematology. Um, and this was part of the miracle for me. There's a few there's a few highlights. She found a doctor at Southport, his name was Dr Abro, and so when, I went, when we arrived here, went to visit Dr Abro, and as it turns out, he not only was a, oh, a wonderful man and a haematologist, but he actually worked in the Royal Brisbane with Professor Kennedy, who was the head of the haematology department at Royal Brisbane. So I I began my treatment with him with blood transfusions and continued with this Vedaza that only lasted for a few months. But after a short time, he said, Russ, he said, I want to send you up to Royal Brisbane to see if maybe you could get through this program. And so that's what happened. Sent me to Royal Brisbane to meet with Professor Kennedy. And I went through a week of tests up there I went through nearly every department in in the Royal Brisbane to see if I could get through. And they said, we think you can make it. So now it was a matter of trying to find a donor. Um, There was no one in Australia. But finally, a donor came through from Germany. And so I had... In June, I went to the Wesley Hospital, but actually prior to that, I got very sick with pneumonia um, and went to a hospital here in the, on the Gold Coast, and I was lucky to come out of that. I was there for two weeks, but in, um, but in the Wesley, I was there for five weeks with um, extensive chemotherapy. I came out for about a month, they sent me back in again because I would developed leukaemia, and I had another lot of uh, chemo, um, as I say there's a lot of stuff in between, but eventually I went to Royal Brisbane, and, and I was there, and what they did, they gave me the final lot of chemotherapy that wiped out all my immune system. and so. At that stage, I was very, very vulnerable as far as infection was concerned, because even during that time in the Wesley, and with chemotherapy, only 10, every time ten percent of people don't make it out of there. And then they told Christine and I that only fifty percent, fifty percent, come out of Royal Brisbane uh, with the treatment I was going to get. So you can see it was a little bit concerning. But the wonderful thing was that I had this stem cell transplant. And I created a record. I got out of that department within 17 days. No one had ever got out of the department in that time. And I was sick after that and had to go back in. And then after that, we had three months in the Leukemia Foundation at Dutton Park. Oh, I had some notes here, but I decided to put that away. And pastor, basically, all of the, the and the other thing, all of the things that they told Christine and I was going to happen to us, going through the stem cell transplant, basically never happened to me. And. I don't understand that and, and there's people today that we still know that are still going through what they call graft versus host which mean it, means there's a fight against your transplant and your body. I've never had any of that and uh, I, I don't understand. I've got to say this that I know I had a lot of people praying for me and in fact I remember one day Pastor David Ashery he prayed with me and he, and I've never had a had a prayer like this and he and he actually gave a time he said lord i want you to heal us by january of this next year and that was the time we came out of hospital um and came home after the 3 months in uh, in Dutton Park wow but I, I and i what i don't understand Pastor, and I'll say this. I don't understand. And, I, and it's something we, we need to leave it with the Lord is we don't understand why sometimes people are healed and sometimes they're not.
0: Mm.
1: You know, that, that, that's a mystery to us. And I just feel for any, anyone that has had any sort of cancer mm. and what people go through today. But I thank God...
0: So I just want to recap a little bit. So you were diagnosed when you were in Sydney. Yeah. And basically they gave you, what, a year to 18 months to yeah. live. And basically you were too old to get a transplant. That's right. They, and then through these different <laughs> circumstances, as you just explained, yeah. you moved up here and you managed to see someone and they yeah. they actually said they could give you the transplant. You could get I, through
1: it. I, I was only the second person ever to go through the department in Royal Brisbane that was mm-hmm. over 70. Yeah. And and here I am six years later.
0: Six years. Wow. Um, Wow. uh, uh,
1: And I guess what, you know what really worries me, Pastor? What really worries me is that for some reason the good Lord has given me more life. So I've got to pay that back to him. I've, I've got to be willing to do whatever he wants me to do. Yep.
0: Amen. Well, hopefully that's what all of us want to do. But um, it is borrowed time. And I just want to pray for you before you go down. Thanks for sharing, Russ. We just want to praise you, God. We want to just thank you for the healing and the amazing... Testimony of Russell. We also want to thank you for his son. Even though it was a simple thing, we thank you that that had such a impact on his long-term faith, and we pray that that will continue to help him to grow and to continue to trust you. So Lord, we also want to pray for many today. There are others here today that might have some kind of health diagnosis for themselves or maybe a friend or something, and we just want to lift them up in prayer, and we just pray that your healing hand will be there for those, and your will will be done and we just thank you for prayer, and this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for sharing, Russell. So as we get into this topic of prayer, and you know, one of the things that Lockie was originally going to share today, and he's had a, a lot on, and he said, "Would I do it?" And I, I love prayer, and I said, oh, "Yeah, if I can keep, if I can talk on your topic, I'm happy to," because. This is such a crucial part of our journey, and and I think it's a part we struggle with. I don't know. There are prayer warriors. Maureen's amazing, and Bridget, our head elder, is amazing with prayer. And you know, this journey of this church, what's brought us to be where we are now, you know, it's all goes to prayer. You know, twelve years ago we came to this building, and, and there was just a core of people here. There was no young people, and um, you know, there's been a group that's continued to pray, and God's continued to lead and bless. And I just thank. All those that have prayed and continue to pray. And, you know, when I'm finding I'm struggling, and I have to admit, you know, the last uh, m- few months I've been struggling. Um, and most of us in the last two years with all of us in the world, you know, we've, we've been having some anxiety and questions and maybe things that we're struggling with. And, and the answer really to all those things is us actually being connected to God through prayer. And uh, we often share that, you know, the spiritual food that we feed on, is the bread of life, is the Bible. That's what this is called, God's Word. And this is the spiritual food. It's important that we study and, and read and feed on God's Word. And you know, just like our physical food, daily we need it. Well, prayer is even more important than, than the, 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 the Word. Because prayer is our direct connection with God. My, my title was going to be in this sermon, was going to be... Prayer power, but I actually wanted to link three things together, and that is prayer, grace, and thankfulness, because to me, these are really a link and and these are things that really come through us having that prayer so prayer I want to uh, share and I just bring so here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us, always be joyful. You know, what a great thing, you know. And, and it's great to look out and see smiles. I'm not looking at masks today. And that's, that's been my biggest complaint about this time when we've had to wear masks. Is I can't see faces. I can't smile at people and have them smile back to me. Or, you know, be able to read their face or feeling a bit discouraged or whatever. And be able to go and encourage them and, and try to speak to them. So, praise God that we've got this freedom at the moment. Of course, we don't know what's next. You know, what a crazy world we're living in. You know, look at the past week. You know, the pandemic in, in Australia is still wild. in America. I think 1,200 people a day dying over there and other countries as well. Um, you know, there's been earthquakes in Australia, which uh, I did feel an earthquake once in Victoria, so I know they do happen there. Um, there's been a volcano in Spain. And, and you look at these things on the news, and, and doesn't it make you, like, you know, think, wow, what's happening and again, we shouldn't be fearful if we're really connected in prayer. And prayer here, as we read on in this verse, says, never stop praying. You know, some translations say, pray without ceasing. And that's always kind of puzzled me a little bit. I thought, well, how do we do that? Because I always think of prayer as being this act where I fold my hands, I bow my heads, I close my eyes. And, um, you know, over my, my life, and, and, and I've gotten to know that it, actually prayer is. It's a state of mind. It's a connection with God. And the comparison I want to tell tell you is just like the Word of God is the bread of life. Prayer is the breath of life. Now, a couple of months ago, we, we covered about death. And we talked about how a person, God created the body. Then he breathed the breath of life into him. And that person became a living being. And so, you know, all of us are living Breath is, is crucial. I mean, how long can you hold your breath? You know, not that long. I saw something on TV, someone diving, and I think they could do it three or four minutes, which is amazing. But, you know, I'd be lucky to get to a minute, probably couldn't. And, you know, that's what prayer should be. If we really want to be spiritually alive, we need to every second of every day be praying. And what is it is like a physical connection? So that everything we do, every thought we have, we're including God. And so that's what praying without stopping means. So it doesn't mean I'm going around chanting a prayer. It means that, hey, as I interact with people, that God's in that conversation too as I um, do things. And this is where it gets tough because, um, you know, as I share many times, one of my big battles is on the road. And so, you know, I I do actually practice praying when I'm driving. And it actually helps... um, even when I don't need it. But, you know, probably those times when I feel, you know, the, the blood come to the face and, you know, I get a bit excited, that's especially <laughs> a time I should pray. Because, you know, prayer, God, God knows everything. And see, we often look at prayer as being this thing that um, is very formal. sure, a prayer, formal prayer is good. And, and we do it as a community. But prayer without ceasing is us breathing every breath we take throughout the day is a breath where God is invited in our lives and being part of who we are and what we do and how we act. You know, what a powerful thing that is. Because as Christians, we should be different. That's why we can be joyful. And I love the word joyful for us as Christians because joy is not based on what happens to us. And as we read on here, the next scripture I have up, this is up. Paul, Paul describing you know, some of the trials he went through. And he says, Are they servants of Christ? I know and I sound like a madman. But I have served him far more. And I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped more times without number, and faced death again and again. You know, Paul went through, so there's amazing, if you read right through that chapter, he lists all the different things. He'd been shipwrecked and you know, many things. Paul did not have an easy life. You know? But he, he wrote you know, my favorite book in the New Testament is um, Philippians, a little four chapters. But man, it's called, you know, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Again, it says rejoice. It says there in Philippians 4. And then Paul goes on. He says, Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. You know, what was Paul's passion? It was to spread the gospel. And how was he doing that through the churches? And I just want to inspire us as a church here on the Gold Coast Central. If you're visiting from another church, that's great too. Whatever church you're part of, we need to be part of the church, part of the body of Christ working together. And, you know, the challenge is that we've got to do that because we're all different human beings and we have all different emotions and stuff. And and it's good, you know... uh, To get emotional, I'm not having a go at emotions, but we've got to be more than just emotional Christians where we come and we praise God and we worship. That's great. But is that actually live it out in the way we treat others, in the way we uh, um, uh, treat others and and what we say and what we do, especially with those that live closest to us? You know, our our, um, children, our moms and dads, our spouses... You know, this is where the challenge is. And as we read on, it says, Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Now, this is, this is where we as human beings, and I know for me as a, um, a male senior pastor of a great church, you know, with a fantastic wife and a wonderful family, you know, I could easily become very proud if I if I if I really went down that track. But like Paul, I want to be realize that I'm weak. And and everything I have is only because of God's grace and his love and him actually just getting me through these things. And you know, as I look back on my life, you know, it's great hearing Russell Jr.'s spear. And I remember once when I was a kid, I prayed, I lost the lid to the lawnmower. And I prayed. I remember finding that lid to the, the petrol uh, on the lid on the lawnmower, and and I prayed, and I found it right after I prayed. And that too, like Russ, you know, made an impact on me. But you know, as I go on through my life, you know, I think time and time again how God's been there for me through car crashes, through this thing and that thing. And I guess the biggest answer to prayer is when God continued to shut doors for, for me in the states and kept this door open to go to Tasmania, and eventually I made it in 1994 which, um, you know, really was a true answer to prayer. It was God's leading. You know, you led me to the most wonderful wife, and then we, you know, got married and looked forward to having kids and giving a family, and then we had more challenges. You know, Karen suffered from a disease called endometriosis. Um, If you don't know about that, a lot of women suffer from it, and it's quite painful, and it affects you in lots of ways and also affects your fertility. She had 11 surgeries trying to deal with her, and she lost a tube, And uh, through all this, we're trying to hopefully fall pregnant and have a family. But, of course, nothing was happening. And eventually, after over five, six years of that, we began to look down the track of having some help with IVF. So we started doing that when we were still living in Victoria. And, you know, those that... I know there's some in this congregation probably been down that track. And especially for the ladies, it's not an easy thing. It's emotionally, it's physically... And tough. Especially when you go through all that and you have no success. And, um, you know, back then it was not only uh, hard, but it was uh, financially expensive, and we had no success. Well, we moved to, to um, south of Brisbane. I was, became pastor of Parkridge Church in 2004, and um, we started to continue with IVF up here. And we'd had a one or two unsuccessful cycles when we moved up here and we kind of come to the point Well, God maybe we're not meant to have children ourselves but you know as you know my wife loves children she's great with them I think I love children but sometimes my patience needs a little bit more <laughs> I like to say I love them but <laughs> no I, lo- I love children they're beautiful but you know they, they do try your patience I have to be honest I, I'm glad, because I was actually going to be a school teacher, and I don't know if I'd survive as a school teacher, <laughs> my hat goes off to you teachers out there, that's tough, but um, we went to this, it was big camp, and it must be 2004, so it was around September 2004, we we're a big camp up in North Pine, and we left that to go to this information session on adopting, and uh, we went there, and it was this room, this uh, auditorium, and there was probably two to three hundred people there, all wanting to adopt. Now, I don't know if things have gotten any easier. I'm out of touch now, but, you know, I thought, man, this is going to be tough. We listened to all the presentations, and then there was a, a, a domestic sort of adoption list you can get on, and these are all the requirements and the process you have to go through and the fee you have to pay, and then there was the international list, which, um, you know, again, there's not that many on either list that um, babies that come available. But anyway, we put our names, paid the price to be put on both those lists. And um, in October, it's only about a month later, Karen was pregnant with our son Samuel, who's now 16. You know, what, what, a, what amazing is amazing pregnancy? It was like God just kind of wanted us to come to the point where, hey, we're just going to leave on you, God, if this isn't meant to be. And then he blessed us. And not only blessed with Samuel, as you know, a few years later, we're blessed with beautiful twins, Jacob and Matthew, and then my daughter Hannah. So, you know, God is good. And I I know that if we shared, we could stay here for days with um, sharing testimonies. But, you know, we love, it's, it's great, it's powerful to share how God has worked in your life, because that helps other people to be encouraged. And, you know... When you're living through it, sometimes it's hard to see. But as you pray your way through it, you'll always find that God gets you through. And uh, we've got to rely on Him. It's about surrender. In Romans 8, 20, 26, this is the wonderful chapter on us, the Holy Spirit, and us relying on it. And it says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know, again, recognizing. If we're trying to do life in our own strength... Um, you know, we can do a certain amount, but we're limited. And eventually, it's not going to be enough. We've got to rely on God and His Spirit. And for example, we don't know what we want to even pray. And this is where I find very encouraging because I don't consider myself a person that... Uh, I'm not like my wife who preached last week and loves language and loves writing and speaking. You know, language is... Um, you know, for us in Alabama, we just say, how are y'all doing? And keep it very simple. Um, <laughs> You know, that's, that's the way I approach it. But, you know, are my prayers good enough? And, and, and I read this and it says, God's Holy Spirit, what's important is my heart. You know, and, and, and sometimes the words don't even come out with what I'm wanting to say. But the Holy Spirit knows truly what I'm trying to say. So, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago I shared, you know, that Psalms 51 and David pouring out his heart after he'd been confronted with his sin. You know, and, and God heard him. And God forgave him and God continued to work in his life. And this is what God does. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and with groanings that cannot be expressed and presents them to God perfect. What a wonderful, wonderful God we have. And so I ask today, is prayer a waste of time? Yeah, well, it's, it's not if we're doing it from the heart. Now, if we're just babbling on like the Pharisees often did... In the Bible, you know, if it's just um, repeating rehearsed prayers, you know, it's prayers that come from the heart. They're certainly not a waste of time. But the thing is, just like reading the Bible, we come to the Bible often wanting to know knowledge, wanting to learn things. And knowledge is great, it's great to know God's Word. But knowledge is not what saves us. We've got to get in that relationship with Jesus. We've got to get to the point that we are actually surrendering to Him and allowing Him to come in and transform us and change us. You know, what a powerful, wonderful thing that is. So prayer is not a waste of time if we do it. As a matter of fact, what what is prayer? What is the analogy I used earlier? The breath. So how we've got to be praying continually. And I love, you know, this church, you know, I've seen it in in most churches I've been in. You know, there's there's people that, you know, often just, can I pray with you? And, you know, even this this morning, you know, a couple of people came, we pray with you before you preach. And, you know, what a wonderful thing. You know, sometimes I see out in the foyer, even though it's a bit noisy, occasionally a couple of people praying. You know, wouldn't it be great if there's more of that happening? We need to be People that are connecting and including God and praying and making it something that comes from the heart. And that's not something that we're just kind of asking for things. You know, I often say, you know, people, we, we, we use prayer like a genie. If we're, we're struggling with financially or we're struggling with health issues, then we come to God. And yes, we should come to God at those times, but we also got to be praising God and, and welcoming Him. And the reason we can do that is because the next thing I want to bring up, and um. I just go to, uh, I need to keep going because uh, our next section here is about grace. Because this is how we're able to approach what the Bible says the throne of grace. Because of Jesus and because He came and made a sacrifice for us, we have direct access through Jesus to God the Father. And, and that's a wonderful thing, through His grace. You know, I love the word grace and, you know, we always think amazing grace. And that's why that song's so popular because this is the most um, amazing Christian concept that comes from the Bible is that God shows His grace. His grace has given us undeserving love and favor. That we're His child, even though we even reject Him and turn our backs on Him and even curse Him. That He is our God. This is grace. And in Psalms it tells us in 84.11, For the Lord God is is our sun and our shield. You know, I I love the sun. One of my struggles when I was living in Ballarat for five years... Is I long to get back to Queensland because I just I missed the sun, you know. it's so gray and, and uh, the sun just really brightens my day. And, and that's what God should be every day, whether it's a cloudy day or a rainy day. Because we have God. He's like the sun in our lives, you know. The sun with S-U-N as well as S-O-N. And He gives us grace and glory. And the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. And this, this is where, uh, it was one of the verses I uh, went through quickly, but it's in the Lord's Prayer where, May thy will be done. And this is what we do have to pray, and this is where Russ was mentioning, well, you know, what about the many people that pray for healing or pray for things and then it's not answered? You know, that's tough. But we have to just pray that there's some reason. God knows what's best. And that's very important when we pray that we do it. May your will be done. But there's one thing for sure that we can guarantee. You know, He might not provide the, the healing. He might not provide you with the financial um, uh, help you might need. He might not answer a prayer for someone you're praying for. But one thing's for sure that He gives you His grace and His love, which connected to that is His eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, that is the good news. The Greek word for grace is charius. The Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharistia. And um, that's a combination of grace and thanks. So really grace is, is, is this word is is connected with thankfulness. So eucharistia is is really thanksgiving. And I I love, you know, this spirit of thanksgiving. And and as I kind of kind of wind it up today, what I want us to do is think about, um, are we thankful? Are we thankful? Yeah, I described earlier, you know, it's this world we're living in. is pretty crazy, but I think, especially here in Queensland, we've got lots of reasons to be thankful. We don't even have to wear masks today. Just south of the border, you know, they've got um, um, you know, big outbreaks, and I think today I saw the uh, news flash came up that in Victoria, the biggest day yet, 800 and something new cases of this um, COVID virus. Uh, we, we don't know where this is going to end, but listen, let's be joyful. Let's be thankful for every day we have because ultimately we, we know that God's going to give us eternal life with Him. You know, I'm so grateful that we have a God like that. I'm so glad that I can rely on His grace. Um, you know, we, we don't, whatever we're facing Come and breathe every breath you take. Be a prayer to God that your life becomes this interaction of thankfulness. You know, the attitude of gratitude. You know, that, that's, I have to, to work on that. You know, a few weeks ago, again, I shared this, this really struggle I had with this deal. I missed out on a jet ski, and it, it wasn't just any deal. Yeah, I haven't forgotten it yet. Ask my wife. But God's helped me to deal with it. Because if you didn't, it'd probably drive me crazy. But listen, you know, I have so much to be thankful for. You know, so what if I missed out on something that might have made me $10,000? Am I short on having food on my table? You know, do I have a wonderful church family? Absolutely. Do I have a wonderful family with a wonderful wife and kids? You know, look at all the things I've got to be grateful for. And listen, sometimes we have to look a bit harder than others. But God wants us to be thankful. You know, in First Thessalonians, we always thank God. When always? You know, and sure, we say the blessing. Uh, well, that's what we call it in America. We call it the blessing before you have a meal. Here we call it grace. You know, it's that, those terminology things, you know? You know, I go to the, the station in America, I get gas. You know, I gotta go get some gas. Well, you don't get gas here, you get petrol. But, um, you know, gas is, I do get gas because my car's on LPG. But, um, so I can still call it gas. I'm going to the gas station. But, you know, the, the, these different things, the important thing is God, God understands our hearts. And I just want to challenge us all today as we think about, you know, where are we, are we really thankful? You know, uh, here in Timothy, um, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. You know, what a great thing to be thankful for. And I just want to praise all the many volunteers and people that contribute to make this church happen. You know, there's so much involved. And, um, you know those people are doing hopefully you're blessed by it and the more more that we can get you involved and get you doing things you know it's actually uh, builds community and it actually gives you satisfaction to know that you're able to do his work because we can do a certain amounts of things of our own but as a church you know with this great facility we have with this great talented group of people you know what amazing more we can do and reach out and uh, he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence. You know, you know, Paul before he became Paul was Saul. He was persecuting and killing Christians, and um, he changed. God changed him. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was! He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus, Jesus our Lord. You know, I don't know what battles you're facing. You know, what is your battle? What is it that's really, you know, this battle, this great conflict, you know, it happened years ago before this world was even created. But then Adam and Eve, they, um, you know, fell for the deception of the devil and it brought in this sin problem. And we've been socially distanced from God ever since. And it's not until Jesus comes that that social distance and that barrier is finally going to be broke down. And it's only through Jesus. And I just want to challenge you. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Have you stepped onto that bridge of Jesus? Are you walking in the way? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I hope if you haven't made that decision that you'll make it. But not make it now. That it be made every breath you take. Every breath you take be a connection between you and God. And that He's there on the tip of your tongue on the the edge of your mind in every thought, everything you do. Let me pray for you as we close today. Lord, I just want to thank you for each person here. Whether they're old or young, Lord, they're your children. You love them. Even if they've kind of gone astray, even if they currently are struggling with having a relationship with you, Lord, I just pray that you'll help them to see that you're longing for them to really surrender to you. Lord, I want to surrender my life to you in a deeper and more meaningful way. Lord, I know there's things like jet skis that get me in the way of really trusting you, knowing that you've got things better for me than some lousy jet ski, Lord. You've got things in store for us that is beyond our imagination. May we accept what we have and maybe we live grateful lives. May we be thankful. For the things that we can be thankful for. And know the things that are challenging and they are hard. That you're going to be there to help us through it. That you promise never to leave us and never forsake us. So Lord I just lift up every person to you. Whatever battle they're facing. Know that they're not fighting it alone. The battle is really between God and Satan. And Lord you won it on the cross when Jesus died. And Lord we thank you that we can claim victory. Because we choose today to be on your side. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.